We thank you. We know you're already in this place, Holy Spirit. God, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we are able to come into this place and we're able to experience your presence. We're able to hear your word. And God, I pray that as we continue in the service and I share what you put on my heart, I pray, God, that you would prepare our hearts, God, and that you would speak directly into our situations. God, I thank you for your love and for your grace. Jesus, I thank you for the stripes you took on your back. I thank you for the nail-pierced hands, God. Jesus, I thank you for saving me. Lord, we love you. We believe you're going to speak to hearts today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. How many are excited to be in church today? I'm just excited because I know every time I'm here, God wants to speak something into my life. How many know God wants to speak something into your life today? I believe it. I believe every time God's people meets together, he has a specific word. He's going to speak into somebody's heart, and I believe he's going to do that today. Um, can you turn me down a little bit in the monitors, please? Um, today, you know, God laid something on my heart that I want to share with you. And today, it's a sermon that it's entitled, uh, Your Story Matters. Stories are important. Stories are very important. In fact, uh, one of the reasons we kind of threw that last old hymn in there uh, with a little tag on it was because I think one of the most important decisions I've ever made was whenever I decided to follow Jesus. How many think the same way that the most important decision you ever made was deciding to follow Jesus? You see, because my life, it had disappointments. It had things that I wasn't crazy about. But when I decided to follow Jesus, it's like hope intersected with my mess. How many knows that we serve a God that he, he intersects with our junk, that he, he doesn't care about where we've been or what we've done or all the things that we think he cares about? Really, what he cares about is knowing us. We serve a good God, amen? I believe we serve a really good God. Stories are important. You know, there's a couple stories that, of people that have come out of, our, out of my youth group that I think of a lot, stories like, uh, to Kayla, you want to know why you buy Boston butts? You buy Boston butts for people like like to Kayla Joseph, who's in the army training right now. Many of you may not know her story, and I hope that one day she gets to share more of it than she already has. But part of her story is before she started coming here, she didn't know Jesus, didn't know him at all. But because our church invested in her, she went to a place. Uh, we actually went to another conference, but she went to that place and she met Jesus. And now she wants to preach the gospel. She's a great young lady and she loves the Lord. We don't buy Boston butts just to eat. We buy Boston butts so that we can invest in young people. Just a plug there. But we have we stories are important because stories like to Kayla's where where she didn't know Jesus or anything about him. But then whenever someone introduced the gospel into her life. A story that may have been filled with disappointment and hurt was all of a sudden, uh, it, was, it was given hope. And, you know, students like Tequila and, and Caitlin are important to me. People like students, or people like them are important to me because everyone has a story. Today, I don't know where you've been or what you've done, but what I do know about you is that you have a story. And that if I were to sit down with you, and if you've already been saved, then you can sit down and tell me, well, this is what happened, this is what happened, and this was, is what happened in my life. But then I met Jesus. But then is an important statement. You see, stories matter. Stories are important. Bell, Bellany, I call her Bell Pepper. In fact, people think it's funny, but that, that's my nickname for her. And she loves stories. 
like the other night we were laying in bed and she said, Daddy, tell me a story. Now, if you're a parent, you know the process. Like you're, the, whenever you get ready to put your kids to bed, the first thing you say is, and I do it about 30 minutes beforehand, all right, Belle, it's about time to go to bed. And then it starts. You know that process that takes about an hour and a half where you try to get them in bed, but they just find every reason under the sun to not be in bed. It starts like this. I'm like, Bellany, it's time to go to bed. Well, Daddy, okay, can I watch one show on my iPad? The, the iPad is like my best friend and my worst enemy because whenever the kids are getting into trouble, I can throw the iPad in front of each of them, and they're good. But around bedtime, it's not good because she starts using that thing to get out of bed. So she's like, Daddy, can I, can I watch one show? And I'll say, sure, you can have one show. And so she'll watch one show, but if you don't watch her, she'll watch 23 shows, and she'll be up at 1 o'clock in the morning like she was the other night, and I didn't realize it. I walk into her bedroom about 1.30 a.m. because I hear a noise coming out of her room. She's laying on her stomach, feet in the air, saying, sing along with my little ponies. But anyways, bedtime, she's, so she starts off with, let me watch a show. So she watches a show. And then she lays down. She's like, Daddy, I got to go potty. Okay, we'll go potty. Daddy, I need a drink of water. You can't have a drink of water because then you'll have to go potty again. No, Daddy, I'm really thirsty. I'm going to die. Okay, I'll get you a drink of water. She gets a drink of water. What happens 10 minutes later? She's got to go potty again. And so now she's exhausted all of her resources. Her mom has yelled at her three times, and I am frustrated. And, I'm, you know, we're, we're usually pretty chill. But at this point, you know, if you're a parent, you know you've been there. At this point, you're like, okay, I'm going to hang this kid up by their toes. And... So at this point, finally, we get her in bed, and we're like, okay, it's time for bed. You're not getting up. I'm going to duct tape you to the bed. You're going to sleep. And then she looks at, and my baby has, like, those puppy dog eyes. I mean, she just looks up at you. If you've ever seen, like, Shrek with a little kitten in it, like Puss in Boots, she just looks at you with those little eyes, and you're like, oh, this is not good. And so she says, Daddy, can you tell me a story before you leave me? And then they say, leave me. And I'm like, I'm not leaving you. I'm just letting you go to sleep you know she breaks your heart and and so I'm like yeah baby I'll tell you a story one of her favorite stories is uh is Rapunzel now if she's watched the movie a thousand times but she still likes to hear the story and I like to share it with her because you know Rapunzel's brave you know she's strong she's all those things so it's a great story and, and so she loves story times and stories are important and I like to tell her those type of stories because I want her to grow up and be brave I want her to have integrity. I want her to be good, good with people. And I know that whenever I start telling her those type of stories, she's going to start idolizing those people. How many knows that stories really have the ability to shape who you are? Like, I don't know about you, but, you know, I think back in my life, and I think about sitting around the kitchen table with my parents and, and my family and hearing their stories, and it really kind of shaped who I am. How, how many used to sit around the kitchen table with your family around holidays and listen to their stories? Anybody else like that? Man, we get together, and I can't tell you all my family stories. They didn't know Jesus. And, but I remember sitting around the store when I was uh, in the kitchen uh, listening to stories. Like, apparently, supposedly, we had an aunt that was a bank robber back in 1926 or something, and she would always bring bags of change to my grandparents' house. Or my uncle would come home and tell me he was a superhero. And I'd say, well, what's your superpower? And he'd say, well, I have the power of teeth. And then he'd let his teeth fall out because he had dentures. <laughs> which was horrifying, but really cool to a five-year-old, I'm not going to lie. And, and so stories really help, like a lot of my goofiness, and, and if you know me, some, if you know me, I, I have a tendency to be kind of goofy. It, a lot of that comes from the time I spent just hanging around, listening to the stories of my family. And maybe you were like that too. You know, you, listen, you, remember, you look back on the stories that you were told and you listened to with your family, and I'll bet you that it kind of shaped who you are. 
whether it was stories about Jesus or it was stories about fighting or stories about drinking or stories about whatever, I'll bet that those stories that were told to you over and over again, they really helped shape who you are, whether they were good or they were bad. Stories are important. They, they really, they, they, they help develop something in us and plant seeds in us to help develop who we're going to become. And so stories are important because they have the ability to make us laugh, to make us sad, to make us think, to inspire us. But you know what's funny to me is this. It's funny how other people's stories have the ability to give us hope. I listened to a story like to Kayla who who loves Jesus with all of her heart, and now she's on fire for God, and she's treating people good. And I'm telling you, y'all, y'all don't know Tequila. I'm telling you, I was her bus driver, and she did not know I could hear as much as I heard. And I'm telling you, pre-Jesus was not Tequila. Y'all don't know Tequila. Y'all need to ask Tequila about some stories when she gets back in a few weeks because Jesus did a work in her life. But you look at people like that, and you're like, man, they look perfect now. How many of you ever looked at a Christian, and you know what's going on in your life, and you look at their life, and you're like, man, I'm never going to be as good of a Christian as they are? Everybody, anybody ever felt like that? You just look at them like, man, they got it all together. We look at them, and we look at their stories, and we think, man, that's, that, that, that story gives me hope. But what's crazy to me is we see the value, and we see the hope that comes out of their story, but we feel like our personal stories don't matter much. We look at our own life and we think, well, my story, where I come from, it doesn't really matter that much because, you know what, I'm not that great of a person. I'm not that great of a Christian. I'm not that great at all. And so my, my story's not as good as your story. You know, but the, this is the thing, though. The devil wants to devalue your story. Your story is important, but the devil knows that if he can devalue your story, he can make you ineffective. Let's read this scripture real quick. Revelation 12:11 says this. And I'm gonna. We're, we're not gonna go through the whole te- the whole context, but in this story, it's it, it, John is telling us about Michael and the angels of God throwing out the angels of Satan from heaven, and it, it closes up with this. This is how they won the battle. They triumphed over him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. Your story is one of your greatest weapons. Your testimony, where you came from, what God did in your life, it is one of your greatest weapons in this journey with Jesus because you're always going to have trouble. You're always going to have the enemy trying to convince you that you're not good enough, that he doesn't love you, that he's not there for you. But when you look at your story, you have to understand it has the power to help you get through anything that you go through in your life. If the devil can convince you that your story isn't good enough or that you're not good enough, he knows he can make you ineffective. Why? Well, because if you start saying, well, maybe God didn't do that, then it takes away power. When he, start, when he can convince you that you aren't good enough for his glory, well, you know, the truth is, is none of us are good enough for Jesus. The Bible says this, is that God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, somebody say still sinners. Come on, make me believe it. Somebody say still sinners. While we were still screwed up, while we were still drunks, while we were still liars, while we were still dirty, God showed his love for us in that he sent Jesus, his son, to die for us. Today, your story's important, and you're important because God thought you were good enough to send his son just to have relationship with you. And I don't know where you are or what you've done or where you've been, but I do know this. You are important. You're important to God. 
Where you've been is important to God. God knows exactly where you've been, and he's walked with you every step of the way. And some of you are in here, in here today, and you think, well, God is not with me right now because my life is hard, and it feels like I'm by myself. But I can guarantee you this. God is in it with you. He has not left you, and he's walking right beside you because he's good. How I many you know God is good today? We have to understand that our past, our past doesn't just make us dirty because we were made clean by the blood of Jesus. But God uses our past to prepare us for our purpose. One of my favorite scriptures, it's kind of like my life scripture, is the first chapter in uh, Jeremiah where he speaks to Jeremiah and says, Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. He goes on to say, and I had a plan for you. I, was, I, I anointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Can I tell you today that there's a specific plan and purpose that God has for your life? Part of my story, most of you know, was that I grew up as an atheist until I was about 16. And I started going to a little Baptist church after I got saved. And that's part of my story. And so it took a long time for me to really understand and accept that God had a specific plan for my life. But whenever I look to the word of God and I see scriptures like Jeremiah 1, it speaks to my heart and says, you know what? I've got a plan for you. I know you. The Bible says he knows every tear that we've cried. He knows every number of hairs on our head. His thoughts of us are like the, the, the pieces of sand at the ocean. And, and so the devil attacks on your life. They're, they're not just about you. A lot of times we think that when we go through troubles in our life that the, his attacks are about us and he's trying to take us out. But the truth is he's trying to kill your story. He's trying to kill your testimony because he knows what you've been through. There are other people going through it, and God wants to use your testimony to reach people. The enemy doesn't want you to reach people. It's one thing if you get through, but he doesn't want you to begin to build the kingdom. You see, there are people in your life right now, and they've been where you are right now, or they are where you've been, and they need to hear your story. They need to hear how God worked in your life and worked in your situation and delivered you through it. How many have had God deliver you through something where you look back and you're like, you know what? I wouldn't have made it through if it wasn't for God. I wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for God. That's part of your story, and that's important. You may feel insignificant and not good enough, but there is somebody in your life that right now they're struggling in their faith, and they're wondering if God is going to show up, and they need you to speak into their life. They need your story. You see, your story is really a place of remembrance. Kind of like in the Old Testament where, where they were told to put up stones of remembrance so that they could look back on them and say, hey, remember God did that? Your story is your place of remembrance. It's where you can look back at the things that God has done behind you and say, you know what, God did that. Because the enemy wants us to focus on our troubles that are right in front of us. The enemy wants us to look at this trouble that's right in front of us and keep our attention tied to our trouble and help us and try to make us forget what God has done in our past. Because we get into one situation and we think, wow, God, how am I going to get through this? I think this is impossible. I think this is going to take me down. But your story is your place of remembrance because 
Whenever you go through trouble, you can look at the problem and say, hold on, let me look back at what God has already done. I know he's already provided for my finances. I remember that time he healed my mother. I remember that time he showed up when I felt like I was all alone. I remember that time I prayed in the altar and he met me where I was. Can I tell you today that if you look back on your story, then your problem you're walking through right now becomes a lot smaller because you are reminded that God is bigger than your problem. Oh, God is bigger than your issue. God is bigger than your valley. And we know that when we look back on what God has already done, we're reminded that if he did it then, he's going to still do it today. If he was faithful then, he's faithful now. If he was good yesterday, he's even better today. I know that God is going to speak on my behalf because he did it then. Huh. He wants to make you feel like your story isn't good enough. He wants to make you forget about where God has already brought you through. Your story gives you the ability to to rely on God and not people and feelings. One of the biggest problems in Christianity today is that I, I expect Josh to hold me through bad times in my life. I expect my feelings to get me through those hard times in my journey in life. But God, God knows this about me. I need him. The devil knows this about me. I need God. But the devil knows that if, I, if he can convince me that I can lean on my wife for all of my answers or my friend for all of my answers, then they're going to fail me. But the truth is, is that if I look back on where I've been and I know that God did it then, then I don't have to rely on people, no matter how good they are to me. I know that my help doesn't come from my friends. My help doesn't come from my wife, although some of it should come from both of those people. But my help that's going to get me through when everyone else has left me, or there are some things that only he can do, I understand that my help comes from the Lord. How many knows that really there are some times in your life where the only person you can go to that can get you through where you are is God? And it's in those times. That you really begin to grow in your faith because you leave everything else behind and you say, God, I am totally focused on you. I'm leaving it at your feet. I give it to you. I can't do anything with it. Your story gives you the ability to rely on God because you see what he's done in your past. One of the problems, of course, is we rely on people and we rely on feelings. Can't tell you how many times that I felt like there was no way out. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I wanted to quit. I felt like God had forgotten me. I felt like I no longer loved me. I felt like this was the end. I felt, I felt, I felt. The cool thing about your story is it's not about feelings and it's not about theory. It's a fact about what God did in your life. You don't have to rely on maybe and could be and possibly you know that God has already done it. It becomes fact and not something you got to worry about. You may not always be able to rely on, on your feelings. But i got to tell you this. You can always rely on God. You can't always rely on people no matter how good they are can always remind on your feelings because your heart, it'll lie to you. Your head, it'll lie to you. There'll be things that you can make up in your head that make sense, but it's still wrong. But you can rely on God, and he'll never lead you the wrong way. The devil wants to keep you from valuing your story. 
and he wants to keep you from remembering your story because he knows that he can use your story. He wants to devalue in your mind where you've been. He wants to help you forget what God has done in your past because he knows you can take those things and you can work in the kingdom. Your life and the events in your life weren't just for you. You may ask, and I get asked this a lot, Pastor Jay, why did I have to go through this? I've asked that question before. God, why? 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 You ever have those conversations with God where really it's not a conversation, it's just a series of you asking why? 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 God, why? You don't even know what to say. You're just asking God, why is this happening to me? And the truth is, is I, I can't answer this question, but I do know, because I know that the enemy comes into our life just to cause craziness. But I do know this. God takes those bad situations, and he wants to use them for his glory. I look back on things in my life that really hurt. And, and it took me a long time to get over. And at the time, I questioned, like, God, why, why did I have to go through this? But then I started having conversations with people that went through the same thing that I was going through. And I began to understand. I, I don't think God causes us and makes us go through bad things. But I do think God uses the bad things that the enemy sends into our life so that we can minister to others who are where we were. Doesn't mean it was, doesn't mean it was fun. Doesn't mean it was something I would want to go through again. But one thing I praise God for is that when we go through bad stuff and we make it through, then we're able to speak into the life of other people who are there and help them get, to, get through to the other side. Your story and your testimony, your, your report, it's meant to be shared with those around you. Someone right now is going through what you've been through, and our text said that God's army only used two weapons to kick out the fallen angels uh, from heaven, the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. Only use two weapons. I, I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I do know this. All you need to get through it is faith in the blood of Jesus and your testimony, your story. It's all you need. That's the most powerful weapons you have because whenever the enemy comes into your life and says, Jay, you're not good enough. Jay, I know who you really are. Jay, I know that you really have no value. Jay, I know that God really doesn't love you. I'm able to look back and say, you know what? I plead the blood of Jesus over my life, and I've, I'm telling you right now, devil, I know where God has brought me from, and I know that you're a liar, and I choose to believe God and not you. And my question today for you guys is, what is your report? That word, that word, um, uh, hold on, let me go back. Your report. I'm reading my sermon out loud. I apologize. The word testimony actually means report. And my question for you today is, what is your report of the Lord? Right now, how do you feel about God? What has he done in your life? What has he done in your life? What has he done in your past? What is he doing in your life right now? I encourage you to do this, to declare his goodness over your life. To declare his goodness over your life and over your family and over those that you're praying for. Remember what God has done and, and, and trust him to continue to do what he's always done anyway. You know, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is the story of Moses. That's probably my favorite. And here's the thing that we have to know about the story of Moses is Moses was Moses was planted for a specific person. Uh, excuse me. Moses was planted for a specific purpose in a specific season. Moses was planted for a specific purpose in a specific season. You see, when you look in the book of Exodus and you look in the first chapter, we see that 
the Bible tells us that the king that had ridden, risen up in Egypt, the Pharaoh, uh, one risen up that they rose up that they didn't, he didn't know or care about God's people. And then he he saw that their numbers were increasing, and he said to the to the to the to those who helped birth the babies, he said to them, "All the men babies, I want you to kill them." He's trying to kill God's people. He's trying to kill the people's future, and and God, because of that, in response, he planted Moses in that season. He planted Moses in that place, and then we look through the, the through the life of Moses, and we see that. Uh, when Moses was born, he was put into a into a little basket and sent down the river. And then we see that uh, he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughters, and he was raised as a prince of Egypt. And then he killed a man and had to go into the backside of the desert where he where he learned to become a shepherd. And can I tell you this? That you know, I know that there are times that God puts us in uncomfortable places, but we shouldn't despise those times. And trust me when I tell you that if you're in a season right now in your life where you're frustrated and you're not sure what God is doing, stay there wait and and you're in a season of preparation and it's easy to question and and wonder why God is doing what he's doing in your life but it's more beneficial to wait and to trust God sent Moses to the backside of the desert where he learned to be a shepherd and on the backside of the desert that's where Moses had an encounter with God and he saw him in the burning bush and then God said to him to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go and then we see Pharaoh finally releases them after the plague and then we see that once they released they were sent to the Red Sea and at that point God or Pharaoh sent the people or sent his armies to kill God's people anyway and then something important happens it's so huge uh, we look at Moses at the Red Sea and then we see that because he listened to God God told him what to do to split the Red Sea and if you look at that in one big you know individual event at a time those are really co- cool stories but I want you to understand is if you look at the story as a whole, not just as a small part, Moses was planted for a specific purpose in that time. And can I tell you that wherever you are today, whatever's going on in your life, I need you to understand this. God didn't accidentally put you where you are. You're not accidentally in the family that you're in. You're not accidentally at the job you're at. You're not accidentally in the church you're in. You are there for a specific purpose. Moses didn't know whenever he was growing up as a prince of Egypt that he was called to lead God's people out. Moses didn't know whenever he became a shepherd on the backside of the desert what God's plan was for him. Moses didn't know even whenever he got to the Red Sea and God split it for his people and let them walk over on dry land, what his ultimate call was. And let me tell you, I understand. You may not understand what God is doing and what God is calling you to today, but I promise you when you get on the other side of it and you're able to look back at the entire picture, you're going to say, you know what? That wasn't comfortable and that wasn't fun, but I see that God used it to work in my life and to work in the lives of the people around me. You may not think much of your story, but God is looking at the whole picture, and he wants to use you in your story. In our story, a lot of time what keeps us from sharing it is we see the hurt and the pain in ourselves, and we feel like, hey, I don't really, I don't know a lot about God. How can I tell people about God? I remember when I first got saved, and I, and I got into ministry, the people that were in, I, you know, of course, I never really, I left, anyways, I've, I've always been a part of this community. And so when I got saved, a lot of the people I used to party with now knew that I was a preacher. And it was really hard for me 
to, to look at people that I used to, you know, party with and explain to them about how they should be living for Jesus, you know, but, but here's the thing, um, I had to come to a place where I realized that who I was is not who I am, and that God took who I was, and he's going to use that to prepare me for what he's called me to do today, and so I don't care where you've been, God, God knows exactly where you were and where you've been, he took you out of that place, he met you there, and he loved you enough to rescue out, rescue you out of that place so that you can be effective today, and so God wants us to use our stories to help others. And how do we do that? Well, we have to make it a point to share our story. I remember when I first got saved, that was hard to do because I knew people knew. I was so afraid someone was going to say, in fact, people did say it. I know him. That's that guy that used to go do this with me. And this is that guy that used to do that with me. He's not a preacher. It took me a long time to really outlive that stigma. Uh, But that's okay because now people see who I was and they see who I am. And they see that, hey, if he can do it, maybe I can too. If, he, if God can take him out and, and get him out of this lifestyle, maybe he can do it for me too. And one of the best things, how can I start sharing my story? You do it whether it's comfortable or not. You find every opportunity to share what God has done in your life. One of the best things that we can glean from the older generation is their ability to tell their story. I'm telling you, every time, I'm, if you're a younger person, I'm going to say uh, 55 and, and younger, uh, you need to go ask someone who's 55 or older, what's your story? And a lot of times, if you hang out with them, you don't even have to ask. They're just going to start telling you, let me tell you what God has done for me today. Let me tell you what God did for me 10 years ago. Let me tell you what God is doing for me right now. Let me tell, let me tell you guys, we, uh, my younger generation, the one I'm a part of, we need to take hold of that. Because one thing that I, I've heard from older saints, and, and it's so it's so good, they understand that there's power in their in your testimony. There's power in telling people where you've come from. There's power because it reassures you and it reassures the people around you. So we need to share our testimony. We also need to allow God to open up opportunities. You know, how many of you ever been driving down the road and you're like, man, or or not necessarily driving. Actually, one time I was driving down the road, and I felt God say, Jay, you need to go to Walmart. This is a weird story, I'm telling you. And um, I was like, God, why do I need to go to Walmart? It's, you know, it's, it's going to be crazy busy. It's on a Saturday morning. It's 11 o'clock. I'm going to want to kill somebody. Why do you want me, Pastor Jay, to go into a Walmart in a situation that's going to cause me to sin and treat people badly because they're going to make me mad? It's not going to be my fault. It's going to be your fault, God. I'm not going. And, uh, and, and eventually God said, well, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep. And I'm like, ah, uh-huh, okay, whatever. And so <laughs> begrudgingly I felt a little bit like, uh, like, like uh, Jonah, you know, not wanting to go to Nineveh, but I went because I don't like Walmart certain times of the day. And, but when I went there, I saw this lady. And God had, I, it's one of those people you see all the time and never think anything about. But it was right around Christmas time, and it's before I was married, several years ago. Uh, and God put on my heart. I was a broke college kid, too, so this, this took a lot of faith. He put on my heart, you need to go give her $20. That doesn't seem like a lot to some people. He said, you need to give her $20. You need to tell her, Jesus saved me. He loves me. He loves you. And leave it at that. That sounds scary. How many, how many would you raise your hands like, hey, that's kind of a scary idea? And I said, God, how about I just not? How <laughs> I many of you ever been like God asked you to do something and you just felt it in your stomach? You may not have heard it audibly, but you're like, 
you knew God said, and you're just like, I don't want to do that, no. But I did, and, and, and when I did, I, I gave her the $20. I said, I just want you to know this, and I gave her a card, put a scripture in it, and uh, so I wasn't just handing someone money, you know, and, you know, and she was a welcomer at Walmart at that time, and just thought it'd be funny if I just gave a woman $20, so I bought her a card and whatever, and, and she gave it to me, and uh, she found me before I left, and uh, she said uh, she wasn't able to purchase gifts for her family that year, and uh, or, or really even food, and she said that it's not a lot, and she understood that, but she so appreciates the fact that I went out of my way, appreciated the fact that I went out of my way to share the love of God with her, and, uh, and she was in tears. Now, she's never come to church here, and uh, I hope that she's saved, but I don't know that she is, but what I do know is that because of, and this isn't bragging on me, but because of my willingness to do what God told me to do, share part of my story and share the love of Jesus, she knows God loves her. Can I ask you today, and I'm getting ready to close with this, um, who are you sharing your story with? Who are you sharing the love of God with? The, the, the motto of our church is that we're making a difference. This building is never going to get anyone saved. This this foyer, this these offices, they're never going to get anyone saved. But you will. You can. Your story, whenever you sit down with people and you say, this is what God has done in my life. And they may say, well, you, maybe you still smoke, maybe you still cuss. Yeah, I'm still working on it. But I'm telling you, this is what God did in my life. And I can tell you this, he wants to do it for you. This building will never save anyone. But whenever you share your story with people, and uh, Danielle, if you'll come play for me just for a second. If, if you'll share your story, your story has the ability to impact people. And that's what we're about. We're not about just having church services. We're not about just being here to be here. We're called to impact people. And you may say, Pastor Jay, well, I've only been saved for three and a half minutes. I got saved while I go. Listen to the Walmart story. Hallelujah. <laughs> that may be true. Maybe you've been saved for 30 years, but it doesn't matter because you still carry the same, the same burden. The burden that you carry is the gospel. You get to share the good news of Jesus Christ, what he's done in your life, what he can for, do through other people other people's stories. So my question for you today is, are you sharing your story with people? Who's the last person you pulled aside and said, I know you're having a bad day. You listen to them complain. You say, you know what? You're right. That stinks, and that's a bad situation. But you know what? God is able to do this because he did it in me. When's the last time you did that? Maybe you're here today and you've never done that because your story hasn't intersected with Jesus yet. Maybe you haven't met him yet. Maybe you've heard about him and you like what he's got to say and, you've, and people treat you good when you come to church, but he hasn't changed your life yet because you haven't met him yet. There are two people I want to, two groups of people that I want to pray for today. 
first group of people is for those of you who you have a story. God has done something amazing and magnificent over the course of your life, but you want God to give you the ability and the words and the, and the courage to share your story and the opportunity to share your story with people. I'm going to pray for you today. The second group of people I want to pray for is this, is if you've never met Jesus, you feel, you feel dirty, you feel like you're not good enough for him. Let me tell you, the, the, the day before I got saved, I, I got high. The day before I got saved, I was probably listening to, to Eminem. And for those of you who don't know, it's not, it's not candy, it's a, it's a white rapper that cusses pretty much every other word, and I'm not going to get into music, that's between you and Jesus, but... But my point is, is that I was very, if, like Paul said, I, I would call myself the chief, the chief of sinners. I was, an, I was an atheist who smoked weed and partied on the weekend, and then God spoke to my heart, and the next morning I got saved. You don't have to come to church for six months to get your life right. You just got to come to Jesus. And in a moment, I would snap, but I can't. I don't have the ability, and it makes me feel like I'm not good enough to be a good preacher because I can't snap. I'm just kidding. But you literally come to Jesus, and in a moment, you're made clean. With every, out, with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? I'm not going to try to scare you and say, you might go outside and have a wreck and die. I'm not going to scare you into heaven because then you won't stay there. But do you know him? Has your story intersected with his grace? If you'd say, Pastor Jay, I, I know about him, but I, I've never put my faith in him. He, I've never said to him, be the king of my life and be my savior. But I want to today. If you just lift your hands right now. God knows exactly where you are. God knows what you've been through. God knows. God sees those hands. If, if this is you, lift your hand. And say, Pastor Jay, I'm, I don't know that I'm ready. If God's working in you right now, that means that the Holy Spirit has prepared your heart, and you are. You're ready. You're going to be clean. You may not be perfect when you leave here. You may still make mistakes, but you're ready. God's working in you. That's you. I want you to raise your hand. Okay, the second group of people, if, if this is you, you say, God, I, I want to be able to share my story. Give me the power, the courage, and the words to share what God has done in my life so that I can help people. I want you to raise your hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. Would you stand with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to pray. Father God, Father, I thank you. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, I thank you for every story that's represented in this place today. God, you know exactly what each person in this building, what they've been through, and you know the struggles and 
and the disappointments. You know what they're going through today. But God, I, I believe in the name of Jesus that you're moving on their behalf. And Father, for those who they want to be given opportunities and they want to be given encouragement, God, in order to share their story, I pray right now over their lives. Father, I speak healing and encouragement over their lives. I believe in the name of Jesus that you, God, are you're, you're going to birth a passion in them to share with other people what you've done in their life so that, so that they can come to know you too. And Father, for those that raise their hand, God, they don't know you yet, but they're wanting to make that decision today. I pray for strength and I pray for, I pray, God, that you would guard their heart. If you, if you raised your hand, I want you to, I'm about to lead you in a prayer. And, and the prayer won't save you. But the faith in your heart, that's what saves you. And so if you, with every head bowed still and every eye closed, if you raised your hand and you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. This prayer is for you, and I want everyone, let's, let's say this prayer together as a family. Father God, I trust you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for grace. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I ask forgiveness. Cover me with your grace. I believe that you were born of a virgin, that you died and that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose to give me life. I put my faith in you. Be the Lord of my life. Be my King and my Savior. Thank you, Lord saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for those who made that decision today? For those of you who did raise your hands and ask to pray that prayer, I encourage you, find someone, whether it's me uh, or someone else, whether it's Miss Vicki in the back or my wife Christina or whomever, anyone in here, they're good people. Uh, and if they're not, I won't tell you. But anyways, I'm just kidding. Everyone in here is good people. Find someone. Tell them that, hey, I don't even know what this means. Hey, my exact conversation when I got saved, I walked up to this preacher that worked at O'Bannon High School. I said, I need to get saved. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what to say. I just know I'm not saved. If I die, I'm not going to go to heaven, and I, I want to get saved. And I didn't know what in the world I was even asking. And so that's okay. If you don't even know what that means, that's fine. But find someone and say, hey, uh, I prayed that prayer today, and I gave my heart to God. Uh, I just want to tell you, tell somebody, let them help you, help them, let them help you uh, through the process and, and, uh, and pray for you and celebrate with you. Uh, how many believe God's good today? God is so good. God is good. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. Um, I'm excited about what God is doing here, and I'm excited about the people God's touching. You know, we were looking, uh, well, anyways, I'm excited about what God's doing. Um, we have a, don't forget that we have the... Um, 
We have the truck or treat coming up. Uh, we do need candy. We're planning on doing it here on the campus like we've always done. Uh, we do need lots of candy. It's a blessing for our kids here and a blessing for kids o- other places that come here. Uh, this is an alternative. It's a great thing that we do, but we need your support to make it happen. So make sure you guys do this. Uh, also, we have the Boston Bus that's going on. Invest in young people. Thank you so much for being here today. And I, I just thank you for all that you do for our church. Let's pray, and uh, we're going to get out of here. Father God, just thank you, Lord, for your love and for your grace. Fathers, you get ready to leave this place this morning. Uh, we thank you. God, we thank you because you do enter into our story. God, you enter into our mess, and you accept us and you love us. God, I pray for every person in this place. I pray for favor over their lives. I pray for encouragement, God, and for those who put their faith in you today. I pray that you would give them strength to follow after you and give them kingdom connections that are going to help them be successful in their journey with you. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Bless you guys as you go. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday.
Speak. 